Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good morning. Good morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord and praising our resurrected King? I just really felt, you know, the presence of God here in our worship service this morning, and it's been beautiful. It's been beautiful, and it's wonderful to just lead into uh, our time of the Word through just worshiping and praising His name. And I've got something to talk about today. It's the last of our, uh, last in the topics of this series, what's the big deal? But uh, I thought before I really delved into it and got into it, I thought I'd diverge a little bit. So I'm going to diverge before I even start. A few months ago, I had uh, brought up this uh, concert in Manchester, England, where there was you know, this 22-year-old kid who put on a backpack, and uh, he filled it with you know, nails and acetone peroxide, and he, you know, he just blew it up. And uh, what would... What would cause a kid to do that, to walk into a crowd, pull a trigger? What shaped him? What led him to do that? And we talked about it, religion, family, radicalism, radicals in Libya. But I can't, I can't explain it. I still can't explain why somebody would do that, walk into a crowd, kill themselves, kill others. But I quoted to you an article from the Toronto Star, and I just want to... Say a word about it again. Uh, this article said, Clearly, there is always an irrational aspect to conflict. But recent terror in the past weeks have reached a new level of pointlessness. And that pointlessness, it's continuing, and it's continuing in our own country. Now, a couple weeks ago, there was that, you know, this incident in Charlottesville, Virginia, we experience it. Pointlessness. Another kid, a young kid, 20 years old, drives his car into a crowd of people. He injures people, kills people. The news has been wall to wall. And why did the news stop? Sadly, sadly, because there's a huge hurricane in Texas. And, and we need to pray for the people in Texas and people have died in Texas because this huge storm has come. And so it took the, it took the focus a little bit off of uh, all that's been happening. And it's a temporary distraction from what, what has been going on in our country. And what shaped this kid? What shaped this kid to drive his car into a crowd? Uh, he was fatherless. His father was killed by a drunk driver before he was even born. Uh, I read an article from, uh, that quoted his high school teacher. His high school teacher said he was infatuated with Nazis, with the Nazis. Uh, he had a fascination with Nazism and a big idolatry of Adolf Hitler. So the kid lacks uh, a, a true, solid male role model shaped by uh, this crazy neo-Nazism, racial superiority, and some notion that now he's above other people just by virtue of the way he was born, by what he looks like. So like this kid who went into Manchester in the crowd, 
somewhere in their mind it's twisted and it's uh, depraved and uh, some kind of thinking we will never ever understand he thought he was doing something useful and noble but it was vile and it was wicked and it was evil and it was motivated at its core just by hate by hate and what a contrast that is to who we talk about today and what we talk about today in Jesus. Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than he that would lay down his life for another or for one of his friends. Jesus, what he taught, what he brought, it was founded on love, not hate. All about love. All about love. He laid his life down. God demonstrated uh, this, uh, that he loved his own. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave his life sacrificially. He didn't incite a revolt or a riot. or He didn't attempt to take the Jewish accusers and the false... Uh, uh, accusers and the Roman executioners and incite some kind of uh, rebellion. When Jesus was arrested and his uh, disciple cut off the ear of another, Jesus didn't say, run them through or anything like that. No, no. He said, put away your sword. Why? Because Jesus didn't uh, he didn't want his disciples to go into battle. That wasn't his motivator. It wasn't his motivator hate. No, it was, it was love. It was all about his love, and that's why uh, he came. Yeah, people hate in all kinds of names. They, they, they'll hate in the name of a false god, a kid in Manchester. They'll hate in the name of you know, racial superiority. They'll hate uh, let, because of you know, this false sense of it, and that drives them, that motivates them, it, this hate seeks to advance their cause into these incomprehensible, I don't get it, never will understand it, acts of murder, violence, mayhem. But we got the love of our creator, God. And we know that in an act of mercy and grace, he yielded his life. You know, Jesus gave his life over to a bloodthirsty mob that was motivated by hate. He gave his life, he sacrificed his life, and he died to save, not to kill. And what a contrast that is. Is not that the starkest contrast between these who would advance their cause by hate, motivated to murder. He died to provide reconciliation for us with God and to give us life for all of us because he had this deep and abiding love for all of mankind and all of his creation. And that's the gospel message. That's the core of the gospel message. And that's the gospel that this kid who was 20 years old who drove his car into a crowd of people, he needed to hear that. He needed to hear about a Jesus that would save him and motivate him in a completely different way. It's the only way. It's the only way for us to break this hate. You know, I was at the school on Tuesday and I, I impromptu was asked to come up and pray and I looked out at the school and like I'm looking out at this crowd and I just said, I see a piece of heaven. And why? Because I see... I see everybody different colors and kinds and young and old. And we can get along. 
And we can love each other. Why? Because we all share this common bond. We've been saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I think this is what heaven's going to look like. Heaven's going to be multicultural. It's not going to be monochrome. It isn't. The only cure for this hate and this violence and this wickedness and this evil is the gospel. It's the love of Jesus, the love of a God who would give his life. He gave it all. He gave it all. And giving is what I want to talk about today. That's, that's my transition. Jesus gave it all. And this leads to the, the topic, the final, what's the big deal topic? Giving, tithing. It's important. It's an important topic. So what is the big deal? What is the big deal about giving, letting go? And is it a big deal or not? Not really. We don't, I, I, I try not to focus on this very often. If you're visiting us today, I'm not up here talking every week about how you can give more money or, uh, you know, how this is going to be your way out of debt or whatever. Uh, I know. A preacher starts talking about money, people tense up. I know it. And I want to let you know we're not... We're not of the, the prosperity theology. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to write a check for $28.12 because Deuteronomy 28.12 says the Lord will open up the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty. Now, I've heard that before, right? If you write that special check for $28.12, God will bless you. He'll open up the storehouse of bounty. I'm not preaching that. I'm not telling you that's your way out of debt. I'm not telling you if you make a $1,000 seed faith offering today, God will uh, put, you know, 2000 in your mailbox tomorrow. It does not work that way. God's blessing is not this one-to-one. -one. God does not operate by you giving a dollar. He'll give you two or three. It doesn't work that way. God's blessing uh, is, you know, as he sees fit. But I do believe, I believe with all my heart I believe with all my heart that when we're liberal and when we're open-handed and we're not tight-fisted, God's blessings flow. And they flow in all sorts of ways. Ways you would never imagine. I can look back on my own life and I can see where God has blessed me. And I never thought it, never dreamt it, and I look and see, wow, you know, God carried me or he took me or something unexpected and surprising occurred in my life or the life of my family and I just counted on being faithful and not giving of just money but giving everything. I wanted to just uh, give you a couple examples though about how God blesses and it's not a dollar for dollar you know, direct in-kind blessing that if you do this, he does exactly that. There isn't a formula. I want to uh, give you the example of this woman who was from Shunem. She was called the Shunemite woman. You read about her in the book of 2 Kings, the Old Testament book. She was a giving woman, a hospitable woman. The man of God, she called him. The man of God, Elisha, the prophet of Israel, came through her town. She said, you know, I should build a room. She told her husband we should have a room. We should build it for the man of God. 
so that when he comes through town, he's got a place to stay. And I'll feed him. So she did just that. She had a little room onto her house. And when Elisha come through town, he was blessed. He had a place to stay and he had something to eat. And how did God bless the Shunammite woman? Give her another room on her house? No. No, she was generous. She was giving. Her heart was all about this. And God blessed her with a son. Something she never, ever thought she would have. She had a boy. Now, though this woman was faithful and she continued in her giving and her faithfulness to the man of God, she suffered. Now, there is no guarantee that tests will not come our way. We live in a fallen world. And tests did come her way. As a matter of fact, her son died. But her son was restored again to life. Her son was restored by the prayers of Elisha. But that didn't stop some of the tests that this woman continued to face. And through it all, she remained faithful in her giving and in her hospitality and in her heartfelt way that she expressed herself to Elisha. <clears throat> As years went by, her husband passed, and then a famine came into the land. She had to leave. She had to leave Israel because of a famine. And she left for seven years, and during that time, her land was assumed by the government. They took over her land and they used it. When she came back, her and her son, after the famine, they came back to Israel. She wanted her land back. And God lined it up perfectly. Perfectly that the king would say to this woman, not only should you get your land back, but I'm going to give you your land back and I'm going to give you all the income that it generated during the time that you were gone. Serving helping, hospitality. You know, these are all forms of giving. And this woman, she poured her heart into this type of giving. And she was blessed in all kinds of ways. She was blessed in ways that surprised her. Blessed in ways that she didn't expect. It uh, seems often easier uh, to be encouraged in these ways of giving. Our hospitality, our time. Rather than just giving Money. Money is very personal, isn't it? That's a necessity for our lives. Our, our lives operate because of money. We pay our bills, we, we buy our food, we get our water, our clothes, our housing, all of it because we have money. Uh, not too many of us here, I'm guessing some of you probably have gardens and you get vegetables and such, but I'm not sure that too many of you are sustaining your entire life off the land. You know, we need our dollars to get to the grocery store, to buy things and uh, food and all those necessities. And yet, in our culture, we're constantly told we need more. We need more. You should have more money. You should have more of it. You should spend more of it too, by the way. I don't know about you, but every single, I think it's every day, I get something from some credit card company in the mail. Now it's gold, it's platinum, it's gold platinum, it's double platinum, it's this, that, or the other thing, and I should have it, and my, my credit rating will be this and huge, and, and you know, I could spend so much more. It's all, it's, it's continuous. And if it's not a, a credit card thing, it's I could get a mortgage or, or maybe a reverse mortgage. Maybe I could spend my money now or spend it faster or spend it later, plan for my retirement, uh, put it in this bank, save it in that bank, invest it over here, buy this stock. I mean, the messages are constant and they're confusing. 
all about our money. And I think most of those people that are sending stuff, that's because they want their hands on it. And, and, and look at all the messages from celebrity, right? Celebrities. Uh, you look at uh, news, and I don't even know why it's considered news. What kind of dress a certain celebrities wearing? How much they paid for it? The car, the house. The house is this big. It costs this much money. And in the media, right, all the movies. You can watch movies about making money, stealing money, finding money. There's so many movies with uh, money themes and, and songs too, right? I would say songs, probably the top themes, love songs, right? Love, it's love lost, love gained, whatever. The next has got to be money. I mean, seriously, how many songs do you know about money, right? There's the, uh, you know, if you're from the disco era, right? The old, uh, it's the OJs uh, in the 70s. They wrote, for love of money. Now, I'm no singer, but that was that song that went, money, 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 money. You know, you remember that song? Yeah. I mean, it'll get into, you'll be singing that all day now. You know, if you really, you know, money, that's what I want. I can't remember who... I can't remember who was the original artist of that money. That's what I want. But I think that song's been covered by more artists or, you know, go on and take the money and run. Uh, you could get your money for nothing. There's a song about that. Get your money for nothing. There's a song that she works hard for the money, right? And uh, even though we ain't got money, it's, yeah, <laughs> money. And this week, uh, despite the craziness in the country and this huge storm coming into Texas, the news was all about uh, the money winner in Massachusetts, right? The Powerball lottery winner, $758 million, one ticket. That, that lady, I don't know why she did what she did. She quit her job, put her name out there. Uh, everybody knows the lady from Chicopee, Massachusetts, right? Uh, if you want a million dollars, call her. She's got lots of it. And I'm sure many people are asking for it. So much money. What would you do with it? People sing about it. People write about it. People talk about it. Will Rogers said this, too many people spend money they earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. It's pretty true. Benjamin Franklin said, money never made a man happy yet, nor will it. The more a man has, the more he wants. Instead of filling a vacuum, it makes one. And how about this? Financial peace isn't the acquisition of stuff. It's learning to live on less than you make so you can give money back and have money to invest. And that's Dave Ramsey. Dave, Dave Ramsey, who's pretty famous for a biblical approach to handling money. And he puts this end in mind, that if you handle it properly and biblically, you have more of it to give more of it. To invest it not only maybe into your future, but to invest it in the kingdom of God. To give generously. And there's an awful lot in our Bible and the Word of God about money when it comes to giving and specifically to giving to God's kingdom on earth. The Bible gives us some real clear principles. In the Old Testament, there's a principle. And it's the principle of tithing. Actual, actually, there's multiple tithes. And I know I've mentioned this before. There was the a tenth, a tithe is a tenth, 10%. That's a tithe. Uh, 
tithe for the Levites, a tithe for the temple, a tithe for the poor. The Old Testament talks about. So it's more than just really a 10%. And I'm not saying, you know, you know for you to uh, be giving 30%, tithe is the principle. There's a principle there. Abraham tithed to the priest Melchizedek. Jacob declared, Jacob said, the Lord will be my God and all that you give me, Lord, I'll give back a tenth. And in the New Testament, Jesus spoke to the Pharisees about tithing. And what did he note? He noted their hypocritical giving. Oh yeah, you tithe your mint and your cumin, but you miss mercy and love. They lack compassion. Jesus said, you should tithe, but be compassionate and show love. Later in the New Testament, as churches were being established, Paul the apostle began gathering an offering for the church in Jerusalem. And he put it out to many of the churches, Galatians, the Corinthians, the churches in uh, Macedonia, all over. He wrote this. Paul wrote this to the Corinthians about giving. Paul, in his first letter and his second letter, wrote to them. But this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It's verses 1 and 2. Paul said, now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Set it aside with keeping, uh, keeping with your income. Not a fixed amount, no. He didn't write, everyone should set aside uh, twenty-eight twelve and then you'll get a special blessing. He didn't write, set aside uh, $1,000 because that's some key number about blessing. No, he said, this should be uh, according to your, you know, what you have. Keep it according to your income. So this is the biblical example. It's proportional to your income. And the Bible presents the principle. What's, what's the proportional principle? A tenth. Paul wrote again, to the Corinthians, he gave more detail. In his second letter, two chapters are really devoted to this idea of giving. Chapter 8, chapter 9, and the second letter to the Corinthians. Paul commended them. He, he commended them. He said, I know you're eager to help. I know it. I see your hearts. I know that you have a generous gift. And he encouraged them in this. And he wrote, uh, he wrote this in 2 Corinthians verse, or chapter 8, the first chapter he begins to really talk about this. This is just one verse I'll give you. Verse 9, he said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. I mean, he is encouraging them in their giving based on what Jesus did for them. He gave it all. He gave up his position in heaven. He gave up his glory. And he came down here, humbled himself. Humbled himself here on earth. But that wasn't the end of the story. He humbled himself even to death on a cross. That's how poor Jesus made himself. Why? So... You could be rich, he said. And then he 
furthered his encouragement. He furthered his encouragement as he continued on the, the context of giving. And in the ninth chapter of 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote this, verses 6 to 8. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now this gets to the core of why it's really a big deal to give. Paul, Paul puts together the idea that Jesus gave up everything, that he became poor so that you could become rich. You could gain something. You gain something priceless, eternal life. And he goes on then and says, now each, each of you should have decided in your heart you know, what to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, no pressure. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Giving generously. It boils down to this matter of the heart. And unless and until that matter of the heart clicks with you, unless and until you become a cheerful giver, it's going to be difficult. You're going to have a struggle. When it's in your heart, and it's a joy to give a gift to God and to God's kingdom and his kingdom's work, it's easy. But when it's, when it's a chore, when you feel reluctant, there's this battle, there's this struggle with letting go. And you're never really going to connect with something like the concept of a, of a tithe until that really happens. And, and you might be saying, well, you, you know, when it comes to how much... The tithe really isn't in the New Testament. You know, you point out a few things, but that's really not conclusive. And this passage says, I can decide. I can decide what's in my own heart. So maybe 3%. Maybe that's good. And that's what I'll give. And that's the struggle. There's the battle. But Jesus taught in, in a great sermon on the mount about our heart, about our attitude, and where our treasure is. And he said, don't store up your treasure here on earth where moth and rust corrupt. He said, store up your treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And in his travels, Jesus gave some examples. Now, he didn't say this is absolute, but he gave some examples of hearts, hearts that were open, hearts that were generous, giving, in Luke 19, we read about a guy named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. When Jesus was coming through Jericho and passing on to Jerusalem, he comes across Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And Zacchaeus received him. And his heart changed. And at that time where Jesus was with him, Zacchaeus says this, Lord, here, now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to pay them fourfold. In Luke 21, we read about Jesus in the temple courts. He's teaching. 
And he looks up and he sees the temple treasury. And he sees the rich people putting, putting in their gift into the temple treasury. And then a woman who's a widow comes along and he sees her put in two small copper coins. King James Bible calls them mites. Two little mites. And Jesus said this, this poor widow truly has put in more than all the others. All these people gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty has given all. She's given all. In the book of Acts, the first church, as the church started, all those came together and they laid everything at the apostles' feet. Everything that they had, they laid at the apostles' feet for the use of God's kingdom. Zacchaeus gave a half. The widow gave a whole. She gave it all. In the, in the New Testament, these early disciples gave it all. Now this is what I, I could say is a principle of spirit. There is no measure short of all. Of our all given to him. All we have, as well as all we are, all we enjoy, it's all His. It is all God's. And when we yield all to the Lord, and, and really with an attitude of, attitude is, Lord, it's all yours. It's all yours, God. You've blessed me. You've given all of this to me. You've given me my life, the breath in my lungs. God, I owe all of it to you. What have I done to put breath in my lungs? What have I done? to even be here, born where I'm at. What have I done to have any blessing whatsoever, be it small or great? It's all yours, God, all yours. And we, when we have this heart, when we have this attitude where we yield it all to the Lord, it's an act of worship. It's an act of worship. It's a response because he gave everything for us. For your sake, he became poor. For my sake, he became poor. And he gave all for me, and he gave all for you. What should my attitude be? God, it's all yours. It's all yours. All that I have, God, all that I am, it's yours. This is unquestionably the spirit of the New Testament on the measure of giving. This is what Jesus showed us in several examples. And at the core of that spirit, at the core of that attitude, it's the heart rooted in love. A heart that loves God. A heart that worships God because he loved us. He loved us and he laid down his life for us. And while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us with that love spurring on our heart and lifting us and motivating us. It should be our honor. It should be our true act of worship to give our all. It reminds us, you know, that our life was bought. Our life was bought. We've been bought with a price. What was the price? It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Could I ever give you more, God? Could I ever give you more than that? I owe you everything. Uh, and when, when your heart gets that, when your heart truly gets it, and I know it's, it, it, I, I understand coming to that. You know, there is a process that we go through that, where we trust God more and we lean on Him more and, and as, we, as we let go of more, whatever it is, our time, our, our talent, our money, whatever, God is faithful and He shows us you can let go of even more.
and a heart that responds to this love of Jesus. It doesn't grumble. I mean, such love doesn't so sparingly, as Paul said, it's not reluctant, it's not under compulsion. Because love, love is always the cheerful giver. When that's our attitude, that all of what we have is his, and then we can see why it's a big deal. It's a big deal. He gave everything. Now, you know, what does it really amount to in practice? You know, do we, uh, are, are we under some rule that we have to give everything at all time? What is, what is the real practice of this heart or this attitude? Well, it's a response. It's, it's about responding to his love, a response that realizes, you know, Jesus You've given me all. I owe you all. I'm going to present all of me. You know, that, that's that's the, uh, the, uh, the practical response is the attitude, having that attitude that I will present everything to you, God. Romans chapter 12, we've talked about it the past few weeks. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's your uh, reasonable act of worship. What's Paul saying? It's reasonable to really offer all, but to offer all doesn't mean you have to let go of all. I could never give enough to equal what Jesus has done for me. I know that. So what's my everyday practice? What's my everyday measure or portion? The picture presented time and time again is is there is this picture of a tenth willingly, contentedly, freely, cheerfully. And when you get that, then beyond that becomes easy. Beyond that becomes uh, something that your heart doesn't hold on to because there are times when you'll want to do something special. There were times when that love does want to surprise and do the unexpected, always remembering that the measure and that the portion can only be acceptable as an expression of the wider and the greater principle, and that is that God gave his all, and God, I owe you my all, out of love, out of love. And when we grasp it, then, then giving anything, anything, service, hospitality, help, money, time, whatever, the burden goes away. The fight, the fight goes away because it's worship. It's a response. It's a worship-based, love-based response because of what Jesus did for us. It's something we all need to grasp. And then what happens? God blesses. God blesses our love-motivated response because God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times you'll have all that you need. I mean, that is his word. You're never going to outgive him. You're never, ever going to be able out to give him. And if your heart is, Lord, I'll try. I'll give you everything. He'll never cease to amaze you. He will never cease to amaze you with his blessing. The Shulamite woman, she received surprises. A son. What a great surprise. What a glorious blessing. But I want to close with a with a, uh, a little anecdote, a story that occurred just this past week. Last Saturday evening, I received an email. And this email expressed something about what I'd be talking about the very next day, Sunday. 
about a family having to deal with an issue of a man and a woman living together in the same house. So I read this email and I responded immediately and said, you should be in church on Sunday. I'm going to talk about this. And then I gave about three points of just biblical, what this might mean, and why it's difficult. I know it's difficult when families are confronted by these things. But I offered my thoughts about dealing with the situation biblically, and I encouraged, God blesses. God blesses us when we live according to his word. He does. So that was my final encouragement. I put it in bold, and I crossed paths with this person on Sunday, and we talked briefly, and I said, hey, I responded to your email, and uh, we talked after the service, and I promised to pray, and, and I did. And then on Wednesday, I received another in, uh, email from this uh, individual. And again, now this person had no idea, no idea what the topic would be this Sunday. And here, sent me an email with a little bit of a testimony at the beginning. Told me a little bit of a story about how this person came to Christ and some of the things that transpired over years and then to what occurred last Sunday. And I didn't, this is unsolicited. I, I say the Lord knows, you know, the Holy Spirit knows what I was going to be talking about. And I think this was just a blessing. So here's part of the, uh, of the testimony. This person's out, out for a night, uh, working uh, at a nightclub, uh, and said this, I felt God was speaking at, right there in this, in this nightclub, saying in the English language, you're doing me wrong. You haven't given your tithes in more than 20 years. I want you to confess to your pastor and have her pray for you and anoint you, and you pay your tithes. I obeyed God. I did exactly what he said and confessed and began to tithe. Now, since that time, seven years ago, tests have been coming. But so is blessing, and I learned this, that Four months after, four months after this conviction of heart, this person was out of that job where he didn't have to go to nightclub anymore, got a job that was something that was steady and regular and uh, that's been the same now for seven years. And yet the tests keep coming. So now about last Sunday, there was a lot of detail about this struggle the struggle that was occurring about what I talked about last Sunday, about this, what do we do when, when this, is, this is really confronting our house? And here's how, here's some from the note. I wrote this long letter as a witness to the wonderful works of Jesus Christ in my life and the life of my family. By the grace of God, I am continuing in his word, living a holy and sanctified life. There is peace in my home. And then that situation got is done. There isn't, this isn't happening. There isn't going to be a man and a woman living under the same roof. There is peace in my home. This is a great blessing. What a blessing there is for someone to say, thank you, Jesus, there's peace in my home. There's peace in my family. There is peace that I've received by the grace of God. 
And why is this? Because here's a person whose heart was motivated by the love of Jesus for what Jesus did. And, and he gave this testimony of giving. I didn't ask for it, just thought to put it in. But what an outcome. What a blessing. Peace in my home. Have you struggled? Have you battled? Are you trying to yield to this, oh, i got to let something go to Jesus? He wants everything. He wants everything. He wants all of us. He wants this heart and this attitude that, yes, I'll give you my all. I'll give you my all. What is it today, Jesus? What do you need? I cross paths with someone, or if you cross paths with someone who needs something, are you ready and willing and able to give of what Jesus Christ has blessed you with, whether it's your time, your talent, your education, your experience, to pour into that person or that individual? Are you ready to let go and release into his kingdom for his kingdom's work? that it would bless other people. He wants all of us. It's all his. And if you struggle, realize he gave his all. And he really, truly desires our all. And when you yield that, when you get it in your heart, it's a huge deal because there's a freedom. There is a freedom. There isn't a bondage. I think this idea of money and, oh, if I could just hang on to that last nickel, it's a, it's a bondage. It's a bondage, and when, you're, when your hand gets a little looser and you free up, there's freedom. There is freedom, and God will bless you abundantly. I don't know about any of you if it's something that has been in your heart, something that you've been working on. I'd like to pray with you today. I'm going to invite everyone to stand, and you know, you don't have to step out of your seat if you don't want to. I know this is a hard subject. I know it's difficult. I know about all the personal things about our dollars and such. And I know in my own story, and I gave it, a, I told you my story a while ago and how I came to this and really turned my heart over to tithing and me and my family and my wife. And, uh, so I, I understand the turn, but when we realize it's all because he, he gave his all, there is such a, a freedom and a lift and a burden taken away. And not only does he bless us in all these different varieties of ways, he blesses us with a fulfillment that is just beyond anything I could describe. To see God changing people's lives because of what we do and what we give. I mean, that, that's priceless. And it's, it's amazing. And if you just reach out to help somebody, you, you, the smile that they have, they, it's beyond what anything we could even purchase ever. What fulfillment. Be generous. Be liberal. If it's something you're struggling with, we can pray today. And again, I don't want to say you need to move out, but if you do, we'll pray with you down here. God, God honors the humble and contrite heart. He does. He absolutely does. All our wealth's in the cross. All our wealth is in the cross of Christ. As we sing this, if you want to move out of your seat, great. We'll pray with you. And if not, we'll, we'll pray together before we leave. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all you have done for us. 
We owe you our life. We owe you everything. And Lord, 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 if there's any in here, Lord, that maybe they're feeling that, that tug, that struggle, that it's difficult to let go. There's fear. Lord, I pray you could turn that to faith, Lord. I pray, Lord, right now you could turn hearts to faith, to believe in your abundant blessing. Lord, soften hearts to be cheerful givers, to be cheerful hearts, God. Help us with that struggle. Show us, God. Show us, Lord. We know your word says we can test you in this, God. Show us, God, that when we bless others, you'll always be there for us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You'll meet every need, and you'll surprise us in many ways. God, I just pray for any any in this room, Lord, that need that, God. May the Holy Spirit do that work in their heart, God. And Lord, I pray that it would just be something they could see advances your kingdom and your glory. May it be unto your name and your glory, Lord. Not for any one of us, Lord, but for you. May it be our attitude, Lord. May it be our hearts. If any of us need even just a little adjustment in our attitude, God, help us. Lord, work on our hearts, Lord. Work on our hearts. Give us opportunities this week, God, to give back to you in ways that maybe we've never even thought of, but that you could show us how true and faithful you are. Carry us, God. Carry us. Help us. God, I just pray all this great blessing. I pray this love. I pray this upon all here, Lord that we would truly, truly know our wealth is in you. It's in that cross. You gave your precious blood. Help it to motivate us, God. May that motivation of love be in our heart always. Oh, and I pray the world sees it, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your people. Lord, thank you for the generous hearts that are here. So many who get it. So many who know it's a big deal. So many who go above and beyond. Thank you for them, Lord. Thank you for them. Thank you for the faithfulness in this church. Thank you, God. And I just pray you'd make it infectious to others. And I ask it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you this morning.